Now, we've been talking about this lesson on planning, and I am so grateful for what God is doing in our midst. And I really am because I believe it is bringing new light to situations that we had not thought about. And, um, and that's the whole plan of teaching. You got to be in a teaching church. For those listening, let me help you. You got to be somewhere where somebody can explain how to live life as a Christian and how to help you to overcome. And this lesson has been not only for you, but for me as well. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. Let's see where we want to start today. Turn your Bibles back to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. I mean, verse, yeah. Let's look and start at verse 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. And let's see if we could kind of. I'm not sure if the Lord is through with this or not, but we might close this series out today, but we'll see what the Lord say by next Sunday. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse three, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Now, how many of you understand what they just said? Though you live in this fleshly body, you cannot fight the war that you are in with the flesh. Because this is not a flesh fight. You will lose fighting in the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations. Where's that word, imagination? And every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought, say every thought, to the obedience of Christ and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So now let's define some of these terms that we've been reading. Let's look at the word weapons. Now, what is a weapon? A weapon is a tool designed, say designed. That means it's a deliberate, it's a deliberate thing. It is a tool that has been deliberately designed and used for inflicting bodily harm. It was made for that purpose. We have weapons of our warfare that are made strategically to fight against our adversary. That's why they were created for us. And we are to utilize them because they are tools. They are weapons. These are not toys. These are weapons designed to take your enemy down. And if you don't use them, you can't blame God for losing. And especially the weapon of praying in tongues. If you don't use what's been made available, you cannot blame God for losing. Because weapons have been provided. You understand? It's your job to learn the weapon. When you go into the military, they train you how to use your weapon. Why? Because they don't want you to get killed. 
you need to understand. You need to understand how to dismantle that rifle in a second and put it back together because you got to use it. Why? They know at some point war might break out. And you can't be trying to figure out how to use your weapon. You're supposed to get in this word and learn. Why? Because your weapons help you plan against your enemy. The more you know about the weapons that you have available to you, the better it is to plan how to win against. Now, now you become the strategist. So you got to understand something. The devil is a strategist. He is a tactician at coming against you. And he finds your vulnerable places and make war consistently in your weak spots. And until you understand there's a weapon to undergird my weak spot, and plan to become strong with that weapon in that weak spot. The devil always, say always, keep the advantage. It is not God's responsibility to make you strong in your weaponry. That's your job. Because you have a weapon that's been designed exclusively, deliberately to inflict bodily harm against your adversary. You're supposed to do some damage against the kingdom of darkness. Then there's that word warfare. This is the activity of fighting a war, including the weapons and methods that are used. So you got to know what weapon to use because you got to see you got to know you're in a warfare. You're in a war zone. And not enough Christians live like they're in a war zone. You're living in this, we're in this society. We're not from it. That makes us a target. You're in a war zone because this is not the system we were birthed out of. Jesus. You could be declared an alien to this system. Therefore, you become a target. Stop living like you are not a target. I'm trying to help you this morning. I sense the anointing is resting real heavy on me. Hallelujah. Mm. See, there are different kinds of wars. There could be a war germs we had in 2020. It's called a pandemic. You can have a chemical war, but then there is a spiritual war. It's the unseen war you can't see with a natural eye. But you're planning to use your weapon in advance. <laughs> Makes you ready no matter what. I'm trying to help you get rid of your dependency on your flesh. You got to lose sight of your flesh if you're going to win. Then there's that word stronghold. We saw that word strongholds. Is actually two words, but it means powerfully affecting the mind, the senses, and the emotions. So strongholds are in the imaginations. They're not in your conscious mind. They're in your imagination. This is why you have to take this plan of the word and deliberately overthrow. Now, I, I kept trying to ask the Lord, why you want me to go this way? Because somebody need to hear this word. In planning your life, you got to understand you got traditions that have become strongholds in your imagination. 
And those strongholds are there for to destroy your purpose. Mm. That's the war you're having against your purpose and what's been left behind by your enemy, the devil. And it's called a stronghold. What is the imagination? This is the ability of the mind to be creative. The state of being able to see. The ability to think and plan the future. All this is in your imagination. You see with your imagination. You look through your eyes, but you see with the imagination. This is where all your vision comes from, is out of your imagination. You look through your eyes, but who you see yourself to be, that's in your imagination. Mm. Then there's the word exalt. That means to lift up, to raise in rank, power or character. So when we take a tradition, it says, let's read that again. In verse 5, it says, casting down imaginations. So those are strongholds that's been put in there from the time you came into this world until the time you got born again. There are strongholds that's been developed inside of you that's in your imagination that when you go to do something right, that strongholds always show up and declare you cannot move from where you are. Now, whose job is it to overthrow that imagination? According to verse 5, it says you got to cast it down. And that word cast means you got to throw it down. It means to hurl it down. You ever yanked something so hard that it just came falling down? That's what you got to do with these thoughts. You got to yank them down. You can't let them stay up there and act like, okay, we're going to play patty cake, patty cake, patty cake with a thought. You got to yank it down because it's, it's fighting against who God wants you to be. It has a purpose for you, and that's to destroy you. Oh, Jesus. It says, yank down that imagination and everything that exalts itself. That means everything that's in your imagination that's trying to take the position of purpose that exalts itself. It's already trying to lift itself up and make it have a rank in your life or to develop a character in you. See, strongholds come to develop and reshape your character. So you are be on automatic pilot. You'll respond a certain way no matter what. It's already trained you. That's when your character has been reshaped. You say, well, I don't mean to get angry, but it, no, anger is in you. Because, see, your character has been shaped that way. It's something in your imagination that you need to wrestle with and pull down that creates that kind of anger. Because you shouldn't get angry like that. Oh, Jesus. See, I'm talking about planning. But if we don't get these little glitches out the way, planning doesn't work. It'll just be another formula for some people that they're going to fail at. So traditions can hold an exalted position in the imagination. And these strongholds are present to combat against your purpose. See, because your purpose is in there. It was deposited at the new birth. Now, what is purpose? Purpose is what you were intended to be in the mind of God. 
Purpose is what you were intended to be in the mind of God. Who am I in the mind of God? How does God think about me? That's where your purpose is. Mm. Then you might want to write this down. The mind is a womb, W-O-M-B. It is a womb. <sighs> a thought is a sperm. I say it again. The mind is a womb. This is why you have to train it. You have to renew it and develop it because it has a capability to nurture anything you put in it. Mm. A thought is a sperm. But here's what God wants to do. God wants to impregnate us with his thoughts about why we were born. He wants to impregnate us as to why we were born. We, we got we to gotta take on his thoughts. Take on his thoughts as to why we were born. Mm. And I'm going to show you how to get that in just a little bit. If you would look at thoughts like babies, you will handle your thoughts quickly and differently than you do now. You wouldn't let the thoughts and temptations that come your way linger so long. You wouldn't allow them to go days and days and days before you deal with them. When you understand that that's a baby trying to be born. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Because all thoughts are a seed to something being birthed. All thoughts are seed to something being birthed. Whether it's chaos or, or whether it is stability, whether it is joy, whether it's bitterness, whether it's lying, deceitfulness, whether whatever, it all started with a seed. And you manifested it. Mm. Everything we see today was once a seed thought and someone gave it life. Someone brought it to pass from their imagination. Every building, every street, every store, your clothes, the car you drive, everything you see was once a thought. And somebody gave it life. Whew. Somebody gave it life. God has a baby and his name is purpose. Oh, Jesus. Mm -mm -mm. That he wants you to give life to. That's why it was planted. Ah. That's why it was planted at a new birth. The seed of purpose was sown into you. It was given to you. It was sown into you. And it was deliberate. Let's look at Luke 8. Let's see if I can get there myself real quick. Luke 8. Let's start with verse 5. Luke 8, verse 5. 
a sower went out to sow his seed. <laughs> and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it, and some fell upon a rock. And as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. And other fell on good ground and sprang up and bare fruit and hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, He that hath ears to hear, let him do what? Let him hear. Oh, Jesus. And his disciples asked him, saying, what might this parable be? And he said unto you, and he said, unto you it is given to know, say to know, the mysteries. Mm. Glory. Woo. Let me read that again. Ah. And he said, unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But to others in parables, that seeing they might not see, and hearing they might not understand. Now he says, parables are like works of art, especially works of short fiction. I compared it to a, a short story that's a fiction story. Why? Because there are small parts that are constructed in a complicated or delicate way. If you read a short story, it kind of leaves you hanging on a cliff. You know, if, you, if, if that's a good writer, they kind of leave you wanting more. That's the whole plan of it. I can't wait to read the next one. That's what a parable is designed to do. Not exactly reveal the truth to you on the spot, but to make you go deeper. See, watch this. It says... Then it says, let me get my notes. In some ways, they are tended to hide the truth, but not to keep the truth from you. But it's not because they don't want you to know the truth, but to force you to take things to a deeper level to engage, say engage, the imagination. Because no need of hearing this truth if you have no plans to use it. I told you the last time, God is not a waster. He wants to engage our imagination. Now, if the imagination doesn't get involved, ideals and thoughts will be stolen or given up. We see this in the parable of sower. It said, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down immediately. Why? Because somebody did not regard it as valuable. So it was stolen from them. It was eaten up. Whew, Jesus. People are looking for someone else to tell them their purpose. They would listen to anyone that would talk to them. Um, you find that very prevalent today. People looking for an answer. They're looking for a formula that they think they can just put into their calculator and come out with the answer. And when your formula doesn't fit their calculator, they get offended. They get frustrated. They begin to say it doesn't work. It wasn't designed to work like that. You got to go deeper. You got to let your imagination begin to plan. Mm. 
Example. I'm going to use me, say, Pastor, using herself. So don't get upset. If someone came to me right now and said, the Lord said for you to pack up and move the taxes to start a new church. What do you think I'm going to say? That sounds good, doesn't it? We can expand. You know what I'm going to say? No. Why? God has not planted that seed in me. Uh Uh-oh. See, you can't let ambition to get something done drive you where you miss the vision that's inside of you. You can want something so bad that you're willing to do anything. Doesn't work like that. This would be a wrong exit. Remember the last Sunday we talked about the exit? Remember, because it's good does not make it right for you. This is what I tell y'all that, that belong to this church. Yes, you listen to people, but don't try to take everybody where I'm teaching you what you need to do right now. Because this word is for you first. <laughs> and then others benefit from it. Because I'm your pastor. And I'm anointed to teach you. I have in my mouth and in my heart what you need right now. I may not have been sent to your cousin, but I haven't sent to you. Hallelujah. Where you are right now is not permanent. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm not in a permanent position. (laughs) So measure your life not by your present condition but by the condition of your thinking. Stop measuring what you're dealing with as a permanent way of living. Measure your life by the way you think. See, because if you got your imagination engaged, it's planning. Your imagination is a tool that is designed to plan. And it will keep, it's, it's just like a, a, what you call that stuff where they got an ongoing, you go like in the doctor's office and they keep showing the same commercial, what you call the loop. That imagination will keep looping the same picture around and around and around and around and around until you get it. If you ever tap your imagination, oh Jesus, that's his job unto you is to keep reminding you Of your purpose. Keep showing you the picture. Mm. So don't look at where you are right now. As your permanent condition. Because it's not. Measure it by the way you are thinking. This is why you have to be extremely careful. Of who you share your vision with. Why? Their own personal deceitfulness. Will cause an abortion. Or a miscarriage. They will destroy your dream with their tongue. You get started, you're all happy, you know you're in the will of God, and then you go tell Aunt Mary or Aunt Susie or Uncle Jack. Or you go tell somebody, tell your frenemy what God put in your heart. Mm. 
and what they say. They're going to poison your baby. They start poisoning your baby, giving the baby acid. How they do that, Pastor Diana? With their words. And because they have access, they access. You gave them access to your holy of holies. So when they talk, you listen. Never let anybody's voice be greater than God's. These people out there to, to poison your baby with their language. They say things like, who do you think you are? Girl, man, that would never happen. You don't have enough education for that. You can't speak that well. I know some rich people that don't speak very well. So your, your language, that, that speaking well doesn't matter. God has a way of making you rich, bringing you out of stuff. It says, you don't have any money. Since when did that stop God? You don't have any connections. I, can, I know God. That's all, my, that's all I need to know. You are the wrong color. You are too old to start something new. <laughs> this is called deceit for talk. What a deceiving. I'm saying something to you, but inside I'm really hoping you will fail. Because I'm really trying to steer you in the wrong direction. That is deceitful talk. It's called reverse psychology. I'm encouraging you, but I'm, I'm, at the same time, I'm saying things to you like, well, you know, are you sure you want to do that? Well, you know, well, why, why you want to do it that way? That is steering you away from your purpose. These people are on their way to nowhere, and they want to take you with them. Mm -hmm. Listen, now here's what's really crucial. This is why we must spend time in worship. I cannot stress this, and I keep saying it. You must spend time in worship, not just Bible reading but pure worship. What happens in worship? Worship is like a cocoon. I climb up in that cocoon and I release everything I am in that moment to God. I lose sight of everything. I drop the facade. I don't have to pretend to be this and that. I don't have to be brother spiritual. I don't have to be sister know-it-all. I don't have to be the guidance counselor. I'm in this cocoon. It is just me and God. And this shield of worship is protecting me from the fiery dots. What are those dots? The thoughts that come at you. Those evil thoughts that come against you. They're like piercing dots. But when you're in worship, it's like the shield of protection that surrounds you and fills you and illuminates you and begin to give you. Woo, what you need in that moment is worship is designed to assist you in bringing purpose to life. Why? Worship is the most fertile time as a believer. It is your intercourse with God. 
Oh, Jesus. It is where a seed is sown. And not enough believers have ever gone to the place of worship where they just forget who they are and let God. See, this, cause this requires time. I said it requires time. You can't be so busy that you can't go into his presence and lock yourself away. Let, let me share with y'all. This is the one thing I was sharing with Minister Regina yesterday. When my husband was working in the secular arena. Why is y'all listening to me? Are you listening? If not, I'm going to yell at you anyway. If you got a born again man that's working a job. I don't care if you do have a job. He's the leader of the household. He requires more time than you. He's got to get direction. And you can't be so selfish and so babyfied that when his time, when my husband was working out there in the secular world, when he came in, the first hour of him being home was his and God. I gave it to him. I trained our kids not to bother him that first hour when he came in. They weren't screaming and crying and hollering all over the house and fighting and fussing. No. This is daddy time. Daddy got to hear from God. And if you don't give it to him, don't be upset when he fail. Because he's got to have time to worship. He can't leave without it. And you can't be selfish because you've been with the kids all day. You're supposed to be with them. You should be training them while you're with them instead of being frustrated at them. It's a lack of what you don't do that create that frustration. Who are you going to get angry with? Yourself? My husband walked in the door. On the bed was his change of clothes, whether it was a pajama or whatever he wanted to put on, a jogging suit, whatever. He went and took a shower. He went in prayer. Then he came out and he greeted the family after his hour. We had him for the rest of the evening. Can't you give him one hour? Jesus said, can't you pray with me for one hour? You mean you can't plan one hour of your day to give your man that time to become strong in the Lord? That's the man you say you want. He walk in the door and you got to hand him a baby do list. He'll never get strong. I know it's rough this morning. Because worship is the most fertile time as a believer. You'll get your mother and say, but what about me? See, you're selfish. God will give you your time. If you're a stay-at-home mom, I tell you what, I had my, I got up early. Something most women don't do today. You think 9 o'clock is early. No, try 4 o'clock in the morning. You can always get your rest later on in the day. God will give you rest. <laughs> you got to get up, sugar, for your time. Get on in there and get your worship in. Come out refreshed, ready to be the woman of God you need over your house, ready to assist a man of vision. 
Y'all don't know how to act. If God gave you a man full of vision, you don't know how to act. You'll mishandle him and destroy his vision. Because you want him to run to every family reunion. You want to run him like a chicken with no head. But I, I want him to be like God. You lying. Because what it takes to get that kind of man. Oh, Jesus. We say we want a lot, but we don't plan. Because in that planning, you'll discover that it takes more than just mouth. I submitted to what God wanted my husband to be so he can become it. And it looked like, say it looked like, I was taking a back seat. Who cares? I benefited. I don't care if I never got up to say one word. He'll tell you. He started the laws of prosperity because he wanted me to be before the congregation. I was happy sitting in the seat. <laughs> never had to do this. I'm trying to help y'all. Marriages have been destroyed between Christians because we don't understand planning when it comes to one another. You got to understand this, this worship is so crucial because that's when God makes his deposit. Not just, not just your 15-minute prayer time. That works. You know, you know, you can have time where you sit down and you meditate. But that worship is so, so exclusive that God says, I'll come and dwell in it. I will come and live in your worship. If you were playing time to worship me. This is why, you know, I, I'm, I'm careful what I do on Saturdays. I'm not totally where I don't be bothered because I, I listen. If I got an important call or something, I listen to it. But I soak for eight straight hours nothing but worship. I ain't trying to study nothing at that moment. It's just me and God worship, letting him download, download eight hours You don't become strong just by studying. Because you need seed. <laughs> you need seed to have purpose. Or else your praying is just praying. And it can become monotonous. And it can become unfruitful. Because what it takes to bring it alive is worship. Ooh. So worship is the most fertile time as a believer. You need change in your household. I can tell you how to get it. It's not going to be a formula. If you're unwilling to get into worship, where the seed of your house changing can be birthed. See, that's where you'll see it. I said that's where you'll see it. Because worship taps your imagination. It goes in there and arouses your imagination. It says, here's the seed. Put it right there. Put it right there. Put it in this spot right here. 
I got a spot already waiting for it. And it says, now believe me for it. Cause it to come alive. Can't you see it? Can't you see? Can't you see your children being like you want them to be? Can't you see your wife being the woman of God? Can't you see your man being this man of God? Now birth it. Bring it to life. Whatever it takes, bring it to life. Distraction's gonna come. The look like it's getting worse. So what? Get back in there and say, Oh, I see, I see, I see, I see, I see, I see. Oh. Worship says, I see it, I see it, I see it, Lord, I see it. I don't care. I'm putting blinders on. I don't care what my children are saying and doing. I see the end. I saw it in worship. I found it in worship. You answered me. You put it in me in worship. And my children shall be taught of the Lord. And they will be men and women of God. And I refused to entertain any other thought. So when the thoughts come, I yank it down. Because it's warring against my purpose. I yank it down. I won't play with it. I won't entertain it. I won't have no pity party. I'm pulling it down now because it's coming to destroy my purpose. What's the purpose of praying if you're going to have a pity party and fight against your own self? Because in planning, you must plan to fight. <laughs> you must plan to fight and win. Come on, say plan to fight and win. Ain't no losers in this room. So what? You might have to go a different route just a little bit. Can the purpose still come alive? Absolutely. Absolutely. So what? You might have to change something in your house. And you've been changing all your life. Change is good. Because we got a purpose. We see the end. God made us to see the end from the beginning. So that we can bring it to life. And in the meantime, we have expectations. Oh, Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. Turn to Proverbs 4, getting ready to close. And I'm just going to read this to you because you need, you need to hear this. You need, to, you need to find the time. Let me tell you something. Now, I don't recommend a lot of people when they come to worship. But if you don't know Morris Chapman, you need to go find his CDs. M-O-R-R-I-S, and he's not paying me one dime because I, I, just, I just love, he's a psalmist. Last name is Chapman, C-H-A-P-M-A-N. For those listening, go find it. You need something that's going to bring you into the presence of God. And if you need music, don't, don't get this stuff that don't do nothing for you. Y'all know the difference? You need something that make you not have to listen, but yet listen. I recommend, it's called One Scotty, Come Away. That's one of the CDs. And one of them is Songs from My Piano Bench. It's like soaking. 
There are others out there, but these are who I use. This is who I use the most when it's time to just soak. And I just let it play and play and play and play because I'm soaking. Mm. Are you at Proverbs 4? Let's begin reading at verse 1. We're going to read the whole 27 verses. I want to read this out of the Passion Translation. Listen to my correction, my sons, for I speak to you as your father. Let discernment enter your heart, and you will grow wise with the understanding I impart. My revelation truth is a gift to you. So remain faithful to my instruction. For I too was once the delight of my father and cherished by my mother, their beloved child. Then my father taught me saying, never forget my words. If you do everything that I teach you, you will reign in life. So make wisdom your quest. Search for the revelation of life's meaning. Don't let what I say go in one ear and out the other. Stick with wisdom and she will stick with you. Protecting you throughout your days. She will rescue all those who passionately listen to her voice. Wisdom is the most valuable commodity, so buy it. Revelation knowledge is what you need, so invest in it. Wisdom will exalt you when you exalt her truth. She will lead you to honor and favor. When you live your life by her insights, you will be adorned with beauty and grace and wisdom's glory will wrap itself around you, making you victorious in the race. My son, if you would take the time to stop and listen to me and embrace what I say, you will live a long and happy life full of understanding in every way. I have taken you by the hand in wisdom's ways, pointing you to the path of integrity. Your progress will have no limits when you come along with me. And you will never stumble as you walk along the way. So receive my correction, no matter how hard it is to swallow. For wisdom will snap you back into place. Her words will be invigorating life to you. Do not detour into darkness or even set foot on that path. Stay away from it. Don't even go there. For troublemakers are restless if they are not involved in evil. They are not satisfied until they have brought someone harm. They feed on darkness and drink until they are drunk on the wine of wickedness. But the lovers of God walk on the highway of light. And their way shines brighter and brighter and brighter until the perfect day. But the wicked walk in thick darkness like those who travel in fog and yet don't have a clue why they keep stumbling. Listen carefully, my dear child, to everything that I teach you and pay attention to all that I have to say. Fill your thoughts with my words until they penetrate deep into your spirit. Then as you unwrap my words, they will impart true life and radiant health into the very core of your being, which is your imagination. So above all, guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for from there flows the wellspring of life. 
Avoid dishonest speech and pretentious words. Be free from using perverse words no matter what. Set your gaze on the path before you with fixed purpose, looking straight ahead. Watch where you're going. Stick to the path of truth, and the road will be safe and smooth before you. Don't allow yourself to be sidetracked for even a moment or take the detour that leads to darkness. What a powerful instruction. What a powerful instruction. So as you plan, remember the plan to fight and win.